Greetings from Long Island, where every highway is a sunrise. It's time for Dave's Gone By, an hour of comedy, talk, and music brought to you by Total Theater, with your host, Dave Lepkowitz. You've never heard anything like it, so sit back, relax, squeal if you must. Here's the host of Dave's Gone By, Dave! Tropical hot dog night! There goes the neighborhood. Welcome, everybody, to the uh, 176th episode of Dave's Gone By on this June 11th, 2006. And I've, I've been on the air the past hour and, and joined by co-host Jeff Goodman, who's been with us for the past couple of weeks as, as the theater season has finally, finally come to a close officially, technically, in every way possible, because the Tonys have just ended. The the three-hour show that they've had on CBS TV, and also, of course, live at Radio City Music Hall. Uh, Jeff didn't go, but he's been watching on TV and feeding me the winners. And, you know, it's funny, for the first two hours of checking Yahoo for the winners and and trying to figure out who won, and I want to thank, by the way, my, my Aunt Esther, because she knew I'd be at the radio station, and we don't have a television here, because <laughs> we're a radio station. So she, she uh, gave me, let me borrow this little baby black and white TV that she had, that she won from, or didn't win, she got from opening a savings account at a bank. And, and you know, I appreciate it very much, but the thing is, we're in a bunker over here. We're out in Babylon, and it's like, it's a little basement area with semi-underground level. So you if you point... A TV with an, uh, with an aerial, even when you pull the aerial out at the wall, all you're going to get is static and fuzz, and, and forget it. And especially since CBS TV always had the lousiest reception. Even before the World Trade Center thing, no matter what, before the days of cable, if you had just a regular television set with bunny ears or, or, you know, or things on top of the roof, you could point it every which way. Channel 2 was always the one that had snow, the one that in lousy weather was, was just fuzzing all over the place. Well, this this went beyond the beyond. I put on this little TV thing, and back home, I put it on. It'll stop at Channel 4. It'll stop at Channel 7. Channel 13 came in really, really well. Here, out here in Babylon, in this little bunker place, literally, the, the, the band just sweeps across a blank screen all the way from Channel 0 to Channel 120. Just like nothing. Nothing at all. So, so for all I know, the world could have ended. And I, I would not have known it, except Yahoo is still working, and, um, and some of the Broadway sites. So I was checking there, and as I said, for the first two hours, I was pretty either pleasantly surprised at the things that were winning uh, the, the Tony Awards, or just not surprised and figuring, oh, okay, totally cool, that's what was expected. And let me just tell everybody who the winners were real quick before we get into discussing them. We had um, Nicholas Heitner winning for Direction of a Play, The History Boys. John Doyle winning for uh, Sweeney Todd, Direction of a Musical, beating out Kathleen Marshall there of The Pajama Game. And Des Mackinoff for his wonderful work on Jersey Boys. Sarah Travis won for her scale-down orchestrations of uh, Sweeney Todd. Kathleen Marshall took choreography for the Pajama Game, which looked like the only award Pajama Game was going to get, and then later on it turned out that Pajama Game won Revival of a Musical over Sweeney Todd. And that was, I can't say I was so disappointed, but that was a bit of a shock. Now, now Jeff, were you shocked by that too, Jeff Goodman? Yes, very much. 
By the way, let me remind everyone also that Jeff Goodman is the co-host of a theater program called Two on the Isle that airs bi-weekly. So that means whether you're straight, lesbian, or gay, you can watch it because it's bi-weekly. Yeah, don't laugh, Jeff. Thanks. Thanks for letting that one just sink out there. You're not even listening to me, are you? Okay. Um, airs on Manhattan Neighborhood Network. And you can either watch it on Manhattan Cable or on, on Friday nights, you can watch it while it's streaming live on the website mnn.org, Manhattan Neighborhood Network.org. And now, gosh, we have to go back and look at the show that Jeff Charles Gross, his co host, and I were on two weeks ago called, two, well, Two on the Isle, but it was a special Tony show that we all did for um, Manhattan Cable. And see, oh my gosh, how many did we predict? What did we get right? What did we get wrong? And everybody can now see that. It's going to be out there. You can just go to video.google.com, keyword my last name, Lefkowitz, L-E-F as in Frank, K-O-W-I-T-Z, Lefkowitz. And it'll bring up, it's a half-hour show, but if you have a decent RAM on your computer, it'll stream. And you can watch us sometimes be completely right and sometimes make fools of ourselves. I know there are certain things I had no idea would win. I mean, LaShawns for leading actress in a musical? Really, no one thought that. Who did you think? I do think that you were the one who got most of the stuff. You got supporting actor in a play. Uh, Well, Ian McDermott, I was thrilled that he won for Faith Healer. He was just right. He was absolutely so perfectly cast for that, that, um, you know, I, I, I was worried that he wouldn't win, that one of the Awaken Sing guys might have it, or, or, or if History Boys was sweeping everything, that Samuel Barnett would take it, because History Boys took a lot of awards. But you, we, as you said, you're not crazy about History Boys. No. Because? Because? Because I, I, I think it's a very, it's like his, his novel it was I didn't think it was well-directed, I thought the set stank. And it wins all these things. It won all those different awards, yeah. I guess everybody who voted for it had, like, the best seat. They, they, they were had like, the best seat, otherwise row. you couldn't see the blank. Exactly. They, they were fifth row, orchestra center. And if you were just, like, five seats over, you saw an entirely different show, apparently. And then we're, we're also just sitting here in shock, kind of, because Jersey Boys, even though it was kind of the favorite to win for Best Musical... <laughs> It still felt like once Drowsy Chaperone came along, the momentum shifted to it. But, no, at the last moment, even though, <clears throat> pardon me, Drowsy Chaperone won for Best Book of a Musical, it won for Original Score, it won for Beth Level as Featured Actress in a Musical, but Chaperone did not take the big prize, Jersey Boys did. This has happened before, though, and I'm trying to remember when it happened. Fairly recently, I, too. I, I believe that's what happened with... Um uh, with Wicked and uh, Avenue Q. Was, um, oh, yeah, exactly, I remember. Everybody thought Wicked would win the big one. Like, Avenue Q was taking all these little awards, so to speak. I mean, it took the, a big actress award for uh, for Idina Menzel, and I think it won for best score that year, right? I, I'm not quite sure. But then when, when it came to, oh, we figure, oh, everybody loves Avenue Q, and they're happy to give it the score thing, but for an actual musical, it's not going to win. Wicked will win, because it's really good and spectacular. And, and no, it didn't. I mean, Q pulled it out, and really kind of a shock Also because, I mean, you could say in a more cynical business decision sort of way, that 
people voted for it because they wanted to give it that oomph, that impetus for when it went on a national tour. So it could say, Avenue Q, Q winner of the 2000 and whatever, 2004 Best Musical Tony. Except the joke was on them because... Jeff? Yes? Why was the joke on them? You know. On what? When, when Avenue Q um, won? won the Best Musical. And, and, and you figure that maybe people would have voted for it, not just because they liked it, but because they, they wanted to give it a push for when it toured. Right. I'm, not, I'm missing the joke. Oh, well, it's not a joke. It's just the fact that Avenue Q then turned around a couple of weeks later and said, oh, we're not touring. We're just going to go to Las Vegas for a while. Yeah. They oh. built a special theater for it, and it ended up kind of flopping over there. It really flopped. So it doubled, ba- it doubled back on everybody. Yes. Well, Hairspray flopped over there, too. Hairspray flopped. <laughs> so I don't know what to do. I mean, um, they, they purposely constructed even these shorter versions of these shows so people would get out and gamble. You know, and I guess that's what they were afraid of. They didn't want a two-and-a-half-hour musical keeping people well, away fun. from the slots, you know? It's actually funny, because they're, they're just uh, mounting Phantom of the Opera for uh, Vegas, and they're no longer going to call it Phantom of the Opera, because it also is cut down to 90 minutes with no intermission. So they're calling it they're what? They're calling it the Phantom Experience. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Nope. Well, in some ways, that's kind of right. So that nobody can do, you know, because it isn't Phantom of the Opera. Because they cut it to an hour out of it. That's so why right. not call it something else? Or just it's, it's just it. like those musical highlight CDs. I mean, they could call it Tum. <laughs> you know? the op. Yeah, because they never put the name of the show on the playbill anyway. It's just a mask. So why not just call it Tum of the, of the raw? <laughs> oh, anyway. Let's see, what, what else won? Were you happy that Awaken Sing won Best Revival? Sure, oh, no, you sure. wanted, wanted Seascape. I wanted Seascape, but I'm happy with Awakened Thing. Me too. Me too. I mean, it was a pretty... There was something inspiring about it, even if it was still a little bit lumpy and, and the cast wasn't quite all gelling so well. Mm-hmm. And, let's see, Pajama Game won for Revival of a Musical. Cynthia Nixon won for Rabbit Hole. Not a, a surprise there, although there was some sympathy, I think, for... Um, well, no. Well, I, I wanted Judy Kay to win. Right. Well, well we, we all did, but we knew that Cynthia Nixon because it's a return to the stage after being in a big television hit. Well. That's how we at the Tony Awards say thank you. Well, then how come they didn't say thank you to David Schwimmer? Because Broadway said no thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I thought he was really good, by the way, in King he, Newton. He was. He, he did very well. That was that was kind of underrated. So so what are your overall thoughts? You were watching the Tonys. I didn't, I didn't get to do that. I so. didn't think it was a great production. I, I, I was pretty surprised and not real happy with uh, LaChance, I'm not real happy with Jersey Boys winning. Right. Uh, I am happy for all of the people who want to buy discount tickets to Drowsy Chaperone, because I think that's going to be on half price pretty soon. Because it didn't win the big one. It's, when, you, when your biggest win is with supporting actress, you know the show is in trouble. Crap. Well, I mean, it doesn't count that it won for book and score. Those are not... Um... I don't think that's a big deal for people. They're going to, wow. you know, because, I, you know... Um, Oh, I, I know it. It, ha- it happened with, uh, although this one did very well with it, it, it happened with uh, the Elton John musical, the Egyptian one. Oh, Aida. Aida. Aida? What, what was that up for? Well, set, I'm sure. It might have won. No, one book and score. Yeah. It won? No. And, and, and they, they said, come see the best, lyri- the best score on Broadway. You know? <laughs> 
What kind was, of year was that that Aida won best score? Holy crap. I'm trying to remember who beat it out. Anything. <laughs> Somebody yodeling on the street beat out Aida. I think that was the year the naked cowboy was up against uh, <laughs> Aida. Oh, man. Anyway, Jeff, any, any final further thoughts on this year's season on the Tony Awards? I don't know. I think probably we were discussing before that you need a host to make it ha-ha happy. So I, I would now give my suggestion to take Martin Short from his one-man show. Yeah, that was my my suggestion. I, That's I, right. I, I, I or get Billy Crystal back. Yeah. Wouldn't Crystal have been, I mean, just someone to do a little comedy in between everything? Yeah. I mean, I can see the need, certainly the need for that, not having Oprah just for a name. And although I'm sure What's-His-Name was charming the last couple of years... Uh, the guy from X-Men. Oh, yes. Hugh yes. Jackman. Uh, I mean, he did it for three years, and I'm surprised he wasn't asked back, or did he refuse? What was the deal, you well, know? he probably didn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> well, why not? He was, he's been in town pushing that stupid X-Men movie again, everywhere. He might as well take three hours out and, and do something cool for the theater. Well, I think it takes more than three hours. Oh, all right. Three and a half. <laughs> they have this and thing he, down he to he a probably side. was still in contract for X-Men that he had to, had to push it. Maybe. Well, 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 what's a better place to push it than, than the Tony Awards, which are seen by, you know, a few hundred people? <laughs> yeah, it would be interesting to see the ratings if they uh, if there's any ratings for this one. Maybe people tune in for Jersey Boys. I'm not sure. But, hey, Jeff, that's an interesting thing. What was on against it tonight? Oh, what? Was, on, was there basketball on one of the other channels, or was it an off night for the playoffs? I don't know. I really don't know. Because that was also killing them, even in New York. What's that? Where, even in New York, where Tony's ratings tend to be good, it would, it would get hurt sometimes by the, the basketball, the NCAA, not the NCAA, the, the NBA stuff. Well, anyway, that doesn't matter. Um, Jeff, I'm going to have to let you go in a minute or two because we've got to get on with other stuff in the show. But I will be talking about one of the things we discussed a week or so ago about rudeness. Anyway, the NBA did have a... Um Oh, they had a playoff? Yes, they did. Well, there you go. The ratings tomorrow will be, Crappy. let's see, predict about 5.8 share, down about 0.3. I'm not going to joke, and that's my prediction. Oh, my God. Oh, pardon me for the coughing. So, Jeff, just to remind folks, aside from the fact that you're on two on the aisle every other week yes. on Manhattan Neighborhood Network, uh, what was like one of the, the, the experiences that you had with rude people in the theater? I don't know, they're always, well, cell phone users, people talking. I, I always, it happens to be on the second night press list, is a very heavy breather who I don't like, but. <laughs> heavy but breather? He it, sits behind me and just, I mean, I can't, I, I feel terrible. But I just want to go breathe through your nose, not your mouth. <laughs> you know, because you, <clears throat> you just see him breathing through the whole show. Well, breathing through the whole period. <laughs> it depends which hole. Yeah. Well, I had a, a very, very kind of weird and, and unpleasant experience at uh, an off-Broadway show. And I will be telling everyone about it in a few minutes. But first, we'll get to the news gone by. Such a jam-packed show. Got to thank you, Jeff, for, for being with me tonight. Um, and, and I'll be talking to you soon, probably in a week or so. Yes, probably next Sunday. Oh, no, actually, I should tell, well, I'll, I'll tell people at the end of the program, but uh, next Sunday will be a repeat, because I shall be in Canada, traipsing along Niagara Falls, and, and the Stratford Festival, and the Shaw Festival, and, and getting culture. And you're not going to let me take control of your whole show for an hour? What's wrong with you? Well, <laughs> we'll talk. If you, if you pony up the bucks, 
You, you got it. How's that? Five bucks. Am yeah. I a good friend, huh? huh? Is well, five I, bucks, you're a wonderful friend. Five bucks? Isn't that All right, I'll take it. You're on. Exactly. <laughs> no, but Jeff is great, and, and yes, I will be talking to you both on and off the air in a week or so. But yeah, everybody... It's always a pleasure being being with you. Thank you, man. Thanks. And everybody watch Two on the Isle every other week. Even even though the season's over, there's going to be new episodes because there's stuff happening off-Broadway. So Two on the Isle on Manhattan Neighborhood Network. And come back after a couple of messages because I'll be back with more of Dave's Gone By. I can't wait. <laughs> Sir, what are you doing? Nothing. Are you photocopying your butt? Yeah, isn't it cool? I want to send lots of copies. Not in a public library. I know, it's so expensive here. 25 cents a cheek. No, I mean, why not go to Hewlett Minuteman Press? Hewlett Minuteman Press? 1315 Broadway in Hewlett. They make copies, they can laminate it, print it in a booklet, put it on a mug. My ass on a mug? Wow! Call 516-569-5577. Hey, stop it! You can't copy that! But what do I put on the other side of the mug? Hey, baby. For a good time, don't call me. Read Dave Lepkowitz's book, Marriage, Babies, and the End of the World. It's got all these funny comedies in it, and they make you laugh, they make you think, they make you... Ooh, Marriage, Babies, and the End of the World. 516-295-1511. Or email davesgoneby at AOL.com. If you like Dave on the air, you'll love him between the covers. My radio's on, the news is off, that but it's good to relax. Welcome back to Dave's Gone By. It's time for the news gone by. A look at world and local events of the past week from a Jersey boiling perspective. We open in Guantanamo Bay where three detainees were mad as hell and decided not to take it anymore. So, two men from Saudi Arabia and one from Yemen committed suicide yesterday using sheets and clothing to make homemade nooses. 
The deaths call attention to the hundreds of prisoners being held, sometimes for years, without being charged. Not only that, the method of suicide also disproved the old cliché that Semitic men are never well hung. In political news, the fallout continues from anti-terrorism czar Michael Chertoff's decision to cut New York's funding nearly in half. Everyone from Mayor Bloomberg to Chuck Schumer to Hillary Clinton have been in shock over the slash. Adding insult to injury, Chertoff was born in New Jersey, and he was a federal prosecutor in the 1980s, handpicked by Rudy Giuliani. Yet, here he is telling New York... The reason we don't need as much defense money is because we don't have any, quote, national icons or monuments. Honest to God, he said that. We don't have any landmarks. Well, Michael, I can think of two we lost. No, but to be fair, Chertoff says the cut looks bigger than it is because the previous year's numbers were inflated. And at $125 million, New York still gets more money than any other state. But nevertheless, we have been cut 40%. And Washington, D.C. was cut. Meanwhile, Chertoff's given increases to Louisville, Charlotte, and Omaha. Now, I've been to Omaha. I was there two months ago. There's nothing to blow up in Omaha besides three French restaurants and a train museum. Now, one of the politicians blasting Chertoff made a great point. He said that when policemen catch potential terrorists in these sweeps that they do, they go looking through their pockets and they find a map. It's not a map of Wyoming. Mustafa El Gazingo doesn't carry a rolled-up blueprint of Gackle, North Dakota in his prayer mat. So all I wonder is, does Michael Chertoff know something we don't? Is there something the people of Omaha should be worried about? I mean, let's face it. The World Trade Center has been bombed twice. But since we haven't built it again, it's no longer a target. No one's going to bomb a parking lot. So as long as the corner of Church and V.C. is just a big fat hole in the ground, maybe Al-Qaeda will find somewhere else to bomb. Might I suggest Michael Chertoff's house? No, but seriously, if, if I were Bin Laden or Kim Jong-il... I'd be watching all of this and going, hmm, so they took money away from New York and gave it to Charlotte, North Carolina. Must be something bombable there. Now, wouldn't it be a kick in the head if there are all these top-secret nuclear facilities in Omaha? You know, Omaha Stakes is just a front, and the Arabs had no idea about this at all until now. You know, the whole world thought that the Kentucky Derby was about horse racing. But now we know it's got our weapons of mass destruction buried under the winner circle. Why do you think Barbaro pulled up lame in the race? He was coming out of the gate and banged his shin on a surface-to-air missile. Meanwhile, you want to bet 80 guys named Mohammed are moving to Louisville, Charlotte, and Omaha and filing for pilot's licenses? Well, anyway, in celebrity news... Just when you thought the Paul and Heather McCartney divorce couldn't get any more tabloidy, and just when you thought I had too much pride to say a goofy fake word like tabloidy, naked pictures of Heather from about 15 years ago turned up in a British newspaper. Now, they're not quite hardcore, but there are definitely erotic photos of her covered with oil and doing light S&M with a male model. 
No comment from the ex-Mrs. Macca on the photos, though I've heard that she's considering doing another series of sexually explicit pictures low many years hence. But, no, I also heard that it fell through because no matter what the photographer said, she refused to spread her leg. Also in celebrity news, congratulations to Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt, proud parents of a seven-pound baby girl, Shiloh Nouvelle Jolie Pitt. People Magazine reportedly paid $4 million, or nearly $4 million, as a charitable donation to Namibia to run the first official baby pictures. Less publicized was that the Pitts also auctioned off Shiloh's first bowel movement for charity. Struggling countries around the world competed to be the recipients, like Ghana, Brazil, Mexico. But the winner was Poland, although the Polish Prime Minister took his country out of the running, and he was disappointed that the winner keeps the money raised and not the bowel movement. In crime news, this just in from Reuters, German police have arrested a man on suspicion of murdering a woman with a sausage. This is a direct quote from Reuters. He murdered a woman with a sausage. Police say the man was arrested after they found the body of an East German woman who had choked to death on a Bockwurst. Prosecutors say their suspect has offered patchy details of his evening with her, but he acknowledges that he may have, quote, administered a Bockwurst to the woman, unquote. Ultimately, the man admitted that he was just giving the woman a test. If she had not choked to death, he would have married her on the spot. And so would every other man I know. Hey, it's a little early for Christmas, but here's a great gift idea for the sicko in your life. The 2007 Serial Killer Calendar, published by Purple Ink of Bangor, Maine. This monthly calendar doesn't bother with puppies or supermodels or supermodels holding puppies. Instead, the month of April has a portrait of Charles Manson. May is dedicated to the appetites of Jeffrey Dahmer. June busts out all over with Satan worshipper Richard Ramirez. And the calendar portraits are drawn by Nico Klaus, himself a murderer who did seven years in prison. Serial killer calendars sell for 25 bucks a piece and are available online and at specialty shops like tattoo parlors and Halloween stores. As of now, they're not making an academic serial killer diary for schools, though there has been talk of expanding the calendar line with a Milai Massacre Atlas and a Columbine Cafeteria Datebook. Some sad music news. Although, somehow, Keith Richards keeps going and going and going, and Pete Doherty of Baby Shambles does just enough drugs to keep him in the tabloids, but out of the cemetery, there's something about Grateful Dead Sidemen. On Friday, June 2nd, Vince Welnick, a keyboard player who joined the band in 1990, died from unspecified causes. Unofficially, Welnick had suffered bouts of depression since the death of Jerry Garcia 11 years ago, and neighbors are saying he took his own life. But the creepy part is, Vince Welnick is the fourth, the fourth dead, grateful dead keyboard player. First there was Pigpen. Back in 1973, he died from a gastrointestinal hemorrhage, then you had Keith Godshaw, who smashed up in a car accident a year after he'd left the band. And then Brett Midland. He kicked in 1990 from an OD. So now Vince Welnick 
makes the fourth dead man who tickled the ivories to now be pushing up daisies. Now, granted, Jerry Garcia succumbed, and he was just a guitar player, but dig this. According to Reuters, last year Scott Larned died from a heart attack. Scott was a member of Dark Star Orchestra, a Grateful Dead tribute band. What did he play? Keyboards. Maybe it's all a weird coincidence, but if I were Mrs. Bruce Hornsby, I'd be buying a big insurance plan right about now. In science news, ichthyologists in Gabon are closely watching a group of electric fish. One breed of fish in the Evindo River of Gabon not only have electric tails... Electric tails? Yes, electric tails. Sorry, I skipped the line there for a moment. But it looks like they're about to split into two different separate species. At that point, different signals will pulse from their tails, even though they share the same exact DNA. Now, there are 20 different kinds of electric fish. Electric eels are just the most famous. It happens because electricity travels easily through water. So some fish are just able to adapt and harness different levels of electrical power for hunting, for communication, for courtship. According to LiveScience.com, quote, electric fish emit weak signals from an organ in their tails that serves as a battery, which helps them not only scare off predators, but attract lesbians. And now, a cough. <coughs> and that's the news gone by for June 11, 2006. Please send your comments, opinions, and John Wayne Gacy lunchboxes to Dave's Gone By. Box 62, Hewlett, New York, 11557-0062. The number again, Box 62, Hewlett, New York, 11557-0062. We reserve the right to read your comments on the air, name withheld upon request. And our email is davesgoneby at aol.com. That's D-A-V as in voila, D-A-V-E-S, gone by, at aol.com. If you can't write that down at the moment, just go to my website, davesgoneby.org, where there are pictures, information, a whole history of the show, davesgoneby.org. Send us your email, letters, postcards, packages, but please, no killer sausages. I'm already at my worst. Sorry about that. I'll be back with more coughing after this. And that was news. Yes, that was news. That was very, very, very special news. These are the Daves, my friend. The perfect radio blend of comedy, talk, radio, and more. Yes, these are the Daves. More than 80 episodes of Daves Gone By on compact disc for your listening pleasure. Long drive home? Pop in a Dave. In the mood for a funny sketch? Pop in a Dave. All CDs come in jewel cases with full packaging, just $12. New low price. Same free shipping and handling. Add another dollar and I'll autograph the cover. Don't know which episode? Visit davesgoneby.org or email davesgoneby at aol.com and ask for the CD list. These are the Daves, my friend. Makes a great gift to send. Give them a try if you love Daves Gone By. 
What's playing on Broadway? I'll tell you what's playing on Broadway, and I'll do it by checking Performing Arts Insider. Off Broadway, off, off Broadway, off, off, off Broadway. You keep adding offs, they'll keep adding listings. Who's in the cast? What's it about? Why is it special? Performing Arts Insider is Broadway the best way. 516-295-1511. 516-295-1511. Or see PerformingArtsInsider.com. Dave goes off. Dave goes off. Dave goes off. Dave goes off. And yes, I am going off on a topic, on a theme, on a rant, on some thoughts that are in my head, if I can just keep from coughing or dying on the air over the next few minutes. I'm so sorry. You know, it's funny. I had a bad cold uh, most of the week, and it had started even before last show, uh, last Sunday, where I had to do a big three-hour Tony Award special, and I was really excited about it, and I was so upset because I had this this head cold coming on, and I was like, oh my God, am I going to get through it? Am I going to need cough drops and uh, vitamin C and Claritin and whatever else just to get through? <laughs> nice little burp there, did you hear that? Um, just to get through the next couple of hours, and instead, probably also because I had co-host Jeff, who was helping me out the whole time, and a bunch of people calling in and interacting. I was able to get through it really without much thought, and it was also the beginning stage of the cold, so I wasn't far gone yet. Well, now it's a week later, and I'm feeling a lot better, you know, I I even had a bad back in the middle of the week, that was nasty, so that, that horrible thing that happens when you start coughing, and one cough in the wrong position and you wrench your back for days, because it just gets you, you know, because you're, you're in this weird move that you're, you're not expecting to be coughing, and then this, this thing shakes your body, it just this air goes in, it, it's a violent thing, it just, and something seizes in your lower back and screws you up. But no, man, thank God, knock wood, my back's gotten better, which is a big deal, because I'm getting on a plane tomorrow, so it'd be nice... To, to be on vacation and not have to worry about being in traction. So, that's cool. But I figured by now, um, my cold wouldn't even be a factor. My voice would be fine. Uh, I wouldn't be full and, and, and brimming over like a fountain of phlegm. But you can never predict in radio. So I apologize. Usually my, my voice gets a little better when I have a cold. It goes deeper. Um, so, so I think I don't get really high and excited like this, because it's down here. The, the phlegm and the goobers are holding the actual vocal cords down, and then turning them into a low, sort of sexy kind of uh, Larry King rumble. So I'm, I've lost that good part of the cold, because my voice is back up in its normal register, but I've gotten the bad part where I'm sort of gagging and coughing after every third sentence. So again, I just beg your indulgence, folks. This is live radio. And um, I'm still having a great time. I, I should say that Dave's Gone By for a long time was mostly pre-recorded. All the interviews, a lot of the, the even the sketches, well, sketches certainly, but the uh, some of the monologues, the opening stuff, it just felt more convenient to do it earlier in the week or from home. And I love doing it. I'll, I'll do some more of that. But I, I wanted to try something a little fun and funky and fresh and start doing some more live stuff. And that's been great, and it's also been great having Jeff and some co-hosts doing that with me, and live callers. But, you know, sometimes there's payback. Sometimes you're, uh, <coughs> you're forced to make do 
with what you got, and what you got ain't 100%. But I am 100% with you from now till midnight on this June 11th. We've done the Tony thing. Now let's talk a little more theater, because I went to a show uh, this past weekend to see a revival of Jacques Brel is Alive and Well and Living in Paris. That show, they say it is the first revival since 1968 when, when the first production was done here. Although I know that I saw a revival, it didn't last too long, at the Village Gate, which didn't last too long either, um, less than ten years ago. It was more of a concert staging, but it was pretty well sung, and I, mean, I, I know I was there. I have to go looking in my records. So it is not the first real revival, but I guess if you want to call it a full off-Broadway production... This is the first one, and it stars Robert Cuccioli, Rodney Hicks, Natasha Diaz, and Gay Marshall, are the quartet here, and the, they've really sort of reconceived some aspects of the review going by, well, all I can go by is the cast album that I've got of the original, because I, I was alive in 1968, but certainly in no condition to be going to an off-Broadway show about Jacques Brel, let alone anything else, so... Um, They've taken out Marathon, which is kind of a, a weird thing, because that's what everybody thinks the show begins with. And for a while, literally, while I was watching it, I'm like, this isn't Jacques Brel is Alive and Well and Living in Paris. It's a Jacques Brel review, and they're going to do all, you know, a lot of his songs, but there's some different ones here, and stuff that wasn't on the CD, and they're taking stuff out, and they're doing things in a very different way. So, you know, just like they've had different reviews about say, Cole Porter or, or Irving Berlin, they could certainly call it something else than, than Alive and Well and Living in Paris. But, eh, as the show went on, I could see that it was still had that spirit, had most of the songs. Although, the one great thing I have to say is that the, this revival captured a wonderful sort of mood for most of it. It is not usually, <coughs> pardon me, very strident or shrill. They, they take the slow ballads very quietly, and even some of the things that are very raucous on the original cast recording from the original are taken slower here, and more dramatically, and more quietly, which is nice, because one of the things that made the uh, cast album, the original one, very difficult for me, even though some of the songs are terrific, is that the original cast was more about personality than voice, and especially with the women singers, one of them has a really reedy, kind of, un, not very nice voice to listen to. It's on key, but that's about the only good thing you can say for it. And when she sings Jacques Brel's songs, which tend to be quite repetitious, and they also tend to modulate, they tend to, to well, sometimes they'll change the key higher, or they'll, um, they'll repeat things over and over and get more intense in the repetition. So, by the end of it, you're, you're almost screaming. You're really in a very intense way. Now, if you have a nice, good, strong voice or a very pretty voice, that can be great. If you just have a, a voice that isn't so nice to begin with, when you start pushing that voice, it's really not something you want to listen to. But I would love to hear a cast album of this Jacques Brel, because, first of all, um, the singers are, on the whole, better than in the original. You've got Robert Cuccioli, who came to New York attention in Jekyll and Hyde, the musical, and has done a, a bunch of other shows since. He's, he's amusing, he's, he's a charming, handsome, leading man, and a very, very good voice. You've got Rodney Hicks, who's, who's all right. He's, um, well, 
<clears throat> he's a young black man, so he gets certain songs about Vietnam, which I guess the, the producers figured they're putting a, a bunch of anti-war songs this time to kind of make a point about where we are in Iraq. And that part doesn't really register. I mean, there's one song that, that he sings that Braille wrote where the big line has to do with Saigon. And it just it just falls because you know, Saigon is so far away and means nothing like what it did back in 1968. They probably should have changed the word from Saigon to Iraq, and that may have made that segment different. And then, then the female singers, Natasha Diaz and Gay Marshall, are much more pleasant on the ears uh, in this revival. So you enjoy listening to some of the great songs that Brell wrote. And we'll, we'll hear one uh, towards the end of the segment. But that, I didn't come here to do a review of Jacques Brel is Alive and Well, even though I recommend it. Even though I think it's a darn good revival and, and a really nice way to get acquainted with Brel's work. Because he wrote the songs Marika and he wrote Marathon. Well, they don't do Marathon in, in the revival. But uh, The Desperate Ones and Alone and Carousel and, and Lovely If We Only Had Love, which is an anthem for all times. And, and really quite a, a lovely piece of music. So, yes, go see Jacques Brel, but don't see it if the people who are sitting behind me when I saw it have come back to see it again. Now, this is what happened. I'm sitting, trying to watch the show, and this is not unusual anymore for me at the theater, in, especially in musicals, where the people behind you are, are having a good time. They're not bored. They're into it. They're, they've paid their money. They're excited about being there and almost like being part of the show. So as the, the songs are happening or the, the scenes are happening, they're starting to comment on everything. As soon as a singer has finished the song, before the audience even starts to clap, they're saying something. They're saying, oh, that was wonderful. Oh, this is some, oh she, she was great. Or before the song starts, where the applause has died down, but the introduction to the song has already started, and they're saying something that they think is interesting to their partner about the actor on stage, or the way the set has changed, or how they remember that song from how many zillions of times they listened to it at home. And, and this goes on, not once or twice, where it would be, okay, it was a special moment for them, give it to them. No. These are the kind of people where every bloody song, everything that happens on stage, has to be either commented upon, or kind of grunted at, at recognition, and... All the while, you know, they're doing this, and they're, and they're not quite talking to ring the songs. So I can't just sort of turn around and go, well, please be quiet, you know, don't talk during the song. But they're, they're already talking into the intro and the outro of it, which is annoying as hell, because it makes you anticipate the next thing that they're going to say that's going to ruin your enjoyment and the spell cast by a good performer of a good song. So... They're doing this, and not only that, let me tell you about the Zipper Theater. It's a very funky, kind of cool theater. It really should be somewhere downtown of the way it's laid out, because it's got this big old room with a bar, and then you go past the bar into the regular seating area, and the seats are all like seats out of trains and buses, like these big, comfy, kind of cushiony things that you get to sit on. It's not your typical theater seating, or your, or your really low-budget theater seating of the, the fold-up chairs. This is really like you sit down and it's like, whoa, you know, for once I could actually watch a three-and-a-half-hour play in one of these, you know. So, <coughs> pardon me. So, <clears throat> it's a neat little place. And 
for some reason, and, and there's sufficient leg room um, for, to be reasonably comfortable. I mean, I'm a short person, but I think even a tall person would not be so uncomfortable at the Zipper Theater watching a show because you've got you know a lot more seat than you usually do, and there's some room in front of your legs. And yet the people behind me, the woman especially, was moving like her legs against the back of my seat and then like kneeing the seat and because of this soft sort of back um, support on this chair, every time she moved her legs, every time she crossed or uncrossed her legs, every time she did anything, I was like feeling all this movement behind my back. You know, it was kind of, granted I had a bad back this week, so a massage was kind of nice, but not when you're trying to concentrate on a show. So I let it go through the first act. And then in the second act, it started even worse. Now maybe they were a little drunk, you know, had a cocktail or two at the bar. I don't know. But all I know is it just seemed a little bit worse, and I didn't really want to take it anymore. So I waited for the, the, the time that she started talking even as the song had begun. And that's, that's already, like, once the singer starts singing, you damn well better bloody shut up or I will hurt you. So I, I turn around, and I just go in a very angered way, shh, you know, with my... my my finger, index finger against my mouth, turn with this very stern look on my face and go, shh. And then I turn back to watch the show. That is all I did. I swear on a stack of Jewish Bibles and playbills, that, uh, not just Jewish playbills, all playbills, that that is all I did. I just turned around, I went, shh, to this, this idiot woman and then turned back to watch the rest of the show and try to enjoy the rest of the show. Meanwhile, Still, occasionally she'd be talking, although, again, more just towards the very beginnings of songs and not over them, thank goodness, and more of this, this like, moving behind the back of my seat. Well, show ends, and I'm, I'm applauding and, and, you know, trying to, you know, give my response to it, and people are standing, and they really liked it, and it was a good show, and I feel behind me, as these people are getting up, I feel this really sharp pain in my back. Like this is not a real stabbing pain, but a real like mm, a zet, as they would say. And I'm like, oh, what the hell now? It's like she's getting up and 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 accidentally like you know, kicked me in the back while she's getting up, and I'm I can't believe that she's doing this. But all right, I'm applauding. The 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 two of them behind me are coming down the stairs um, of the aisle to my right, and the, the man turns around and he looks like. A better-looking version of James Carville, this this bald alien head type, and he says in this either French, uh, ordinarily I thought it was a French accent, but since Jacques Brel was born in Brussels, he may have been Belgian and traveled all the way to see the show. But he said, "Sir, you are the rudest person I have ever encountered in the theater." And then, then and he sniffed and he and he walked down with his wife, and I was like, in shock, for a moment. Because, first of all, you know, his wife, the big mouth, was the one talking through the whole damn show, or, or at points for the whole damn show, and the one moving around, wiggling behind the seat and pushing her knees into me. And then it started to dawn on me, oh my God, that bitch kicked me. She kicked me very hard in the back. And it, I, you have to understand that um, the chair isn't straight down, the back of the chair. There's a cushion part, and then there's an empty space, like a blank space, of, of um, 
between that and the bottom part of the seat. So my back was exposed. So she gave me a real, actual, intentional kick. So at that point, rather than doing the gentlemanly thing, I run down the, uh, the aisle stairs after them, and I corner them, and I say, what the, what the hell is wrong? What are you talking about? How dare you, you call, you say, I'm rude? And he says, yes, you shushed my wife. How dare you? And I'm like, I shushed your wife because she talked through the show. You don't talk through a show. And then I got, like, <coughs> extra mad. Because, and also, you know, me, I, I have a very short fuse of these things. And also, I have a very, as people know from listening to the show, a sense of mockery. So I started making fun of his accent while telling him these things. And I was like, no, your wife should not talk through this show, you idiot. And, and basically, nothing more happened after that except we exchanged the F word once or twice. And I just shouted after him and, and, and said some really terrible things about the French in World War Two. Something about, um, like, Oh, actually, I got it right. I was so upset that I didn't get the, the joke right. I was saying that we shouldn't let the Germans, like, trample you guys and, and, and take you over. But, of course, they did. What I meant was America should have stomped in after World War II, taken over France, and burned it to the ground and built something decent. But those things occur in your head in retrospect. But all I can say is, God, the French are really miserable sons of bitches. Or maybe it's the Belgians in this particular case. But if, if you're out there listening, and I know you're not, you stupid, rotten, horrible, bitchy people dying in an accident, please don't go back to the theater. Don't come back to New York. You're not welcome here. You know, go back to New York five years ago, turn your little clock back, and go to the World Trade Center for a visit and be there on September 11th so that I don't have to deal with you again. You know, just, you're, you're not welcome in my New York. Well, that was my trip to the theater. <laughs> here's, a, here's a song for these two miserable, horrible, disgusting, sick, goddamn people. Directly from them, from me to them, via Shock Brell. Your heart feels so right, your eyes swim in the beer Where the bar room and lights are hung With your friend Jojo and with your friend Pierre You drink a toast to being young Jojo thinks he's Voltaire And Pierre Casanova And me, who proudly did not care me, me I was a lover and at midnight we watched the lawyers pass Coming out of hotels which had real class We showed them our good manners and we showed them our ass And oh, how we sang The middle class are just like me The older they get, the dumber they get The middle class are just like me The fatter they get, the less they Your heart feels so right, your eyes swim in the beer Where the barroom lights are hung With your friend Jojo and with your friend Pierre Holding on to being young Voltaire danced like a vicar 
and Casanova. He was too stout and me, who proudly did not care me, me. I drank till I passed out, and at midnight we watched the salesmen pass, coming out of hotels which had real class. We showed them our good manners, and we showed them our ass, and oh, how we sang the middle class. I just like pigs, the older they get, the dumber they get, the middle class. I just like pigs, the fatter they get, the less But your heart slows down, your eyes do not flash. The hotel bartender sings our praise. Jojo's no clown. Yeah, pays in cash. Among the bookkeepers, we pass our days. Jojo now speaks of Voltaire, and Casanova is just a book on the shelf. And me, I proudly do not care. And me, <laughs> I talk only of myself. And everybody knows that we've got real class. There is not a night that we can pass. Those lousy kids who always show us their ass. And God, how they sing the middle class. I just like pigs. The older they get, the dumber they get. The middle class. I just like pigs. The fatter they get, the less. So, you don't have satellite radio, you don't have an iPod or a hundred music channels on your cable? Doesn't matter! Live365.com has dozens of radio stations in all sorts of formats absolutely free. And one station, DFSX Radio, plays vintage episodes of Dave's Gone By every Thursday night at 8 and 11 Eastern. I've even put their link on davesgoneby.org, so just click to hear music and talk and me free on DFSX. Do you know how easy and inexpensive it is to advertise on Dave's Gone By? You don't? Well, hey, it's even easier to find out. You can run a 30- or 60-second ad or sponsor a show segment or the whole show. Just go to davesgoneby.org to see the rates or call 516-295-1511. 516-295-1511. Bring your message to my audience. Advertise on Dave's Gone By. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us on Dave's Gone By tonight. This is kind of freewheeling, free-form-ish Dave's Gone By. It's been fun, though. I want to thank Jeff Goodman for calling in and talking to us about the Tonys. I want to thank, oh gosh, our sponsors, MortgagesRock.com. You know, it's, it's not just about their giving out loans or helping people get loans for mortgages. It's that they teach you how to be a mortgage broker. Because mostly it's paperwork. It's learning the ropes. They'll do that for you, they'll help you, and then you can get the commission. So go to MortgagesRock.com. It's a great website. It explains all the basic ABCs of how mortgages work and funding works. And you learn the ropes, you make the commission. MortgagesRock.com, because making money never sounded so good. Also, got to thank Performing Arts Insider Magazine, the Bible of Broadway, and Hewlett Minuteman Press which is uh, just the copy kings of the South Shore of Long Island. Uh, thank you to my wonderful, beautiful wife, Joyce, for all her help and everything. I want to thank um, 
Barbara and Joseph and Louise Ann for a lovely lunch for my wife's Aunt Helen. Happy 87th birthday to Aunt Helen. Actually, it doesn't happen for another two or three weeks, but they took her out um, yesterday because they could get all the family together uh, for a lovely lunch at Dos Silvanos in Forest Hills. Very nice. Oh, and, and I want to thank again my Aunt Esther for providing me with the mini television. It didn't work, but the thought certainly did count. I want to remind everybody that you can listen to Vintage Dave's Gone By episodes Thursday nights on DFSX Radio. Just go there via davesgoneby.org. And remember, through the month of June, they're just playing them all night from like 8 p.m. until 2 a.m. on Thursday night. So you can listen to a lot of Dave on Thursday nights. And then that's changing in July. And so it'll go back to just once a night. And I think they're moving it to Saturdays. But I'll let you know more later on. Uh, watch Two on the Isle, our Tony Prediction show, and see where we were right and where we fell on our faces. That's uh, Jeff Goodman, Charlie Gross, and myself. It's on video.google.com. Just go under the keyword Lefkowitz. Well, I will not be back next week because I'll be off to Canada but I will be back a week from now next week we'll have a repeat from 11 to midnight on Sunday but the week after that I promise a brand new show with my Canadian musings a new Dave's gone by well I ran out of time so I can't do a Billy Preston uh, tribute he died on Tuesday June 6th at age 59 uh, child prodigy he worked well, the main thing I wanted to stress was that this man worked with the Beatles the Stones and Bob Dylan all when they were in their prime he was in the Let It Be sessions uh, and Abbey Road also the concert for Bangladesh he worked on Sticky Fingers and Exile on Main Street and he was a session man on Blood on the Tracks well we're going to go out with some Beatles of course with uh, a track from their Let It Be the title track from the Let It Be album in memory of Billy Preston. But remember to be here every Sunday night at 11 for Dave's Gone By. So until next time, don't let your days go by. Hmm. I think I just blew the outro, didn't I? It's that I, I definitely need some medicine. Okay, uh, don't, don't miss your days going by. This is Dave Lefkowitz wishing you good night and... Uh, Good theater all year long and gone by.